the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Larry Rosenthal is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is an employee of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and affiliated with Satira. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Well, hello there and welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show, who is in stereo, studio, in stereo too, Larry Rosenthal himself right here. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Chris, and happy Thanksgiving weekend. Happy Thanksgiving to you. You know, I got to ask you, this is an important question we ask almost every Thanksgiving now. What is the uh, prognostication of the snow globe on Linda's desk? Oh, it's coming out. It's coming out. Oh, it is. Uh, yeah, I'll have to see if she's. Uh, I'll have to see if she brings it out on on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if you're just joining us, have never heard of this before. Linda is. Uh, she is the prognosticator at the office. So on lots of things, is she not, Larry? Yes, she is definitely. <laughs> we were talking a handful of years ago about snow. Some people wanted snow. Some people didn't want snow in the office. So I went out and I bought a. A few little snow globes and placed them strategically around her desk. And so the, ever since then, it's been the great snow predictor <laughs> in the office, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, well, listen, man, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving as, as, as well as everyone else. You know, uh, I, I hope everybody's Thanksgiving was peaceful and joyful, Absolutely. filled with family and friends and the Lord. And, and uh, you had some good, good dinner, good times, you know, this weekend. Uh, well, maybe we should make it about, you know, college rivalry weekend show instead of financial <laughs> planning what do you think Chris? there is there is some of that going uh, on is there not that's for sure without a doubt without <laughs> a doubt well good morning everyone and welcome to making money sense i'm larry rosenthal check us out on youtube right now we're live streaming the show at larry rosenthal.tv that's larry rosenthal.tv as well go visit our website larry rosenthal.com sign up for our newsletters our monthly uh market or our, our, yeah, our monthly newsletters that are filled with educational tips as well as our weekly um, market update we send out each week uh, with lots of information on what just happened in the market and what thing what people are looking at you know so forth and so on well Chris the question is this what time of season is it what time of season 
Yes. Uh, it's not summertime. Christmas season? It's kind Holiday of season? rolling into the wintertime, right? Uh, winter season. Okay. Gotcha. The big question on Wall Street is, will the Bears hibernate? Will we see a Santa rally? Will the Bears stay out roaming, or are they going to hibernate? <laughs> What's going to happen in the marketplace, right? You know, yeah. the questions are really starting to pile up. Hey, Larry, when's the all-clear signal going to happen? <laughs> We're seeing the markets sort of climb that wall of worry right now. What does that mean? You know, right now, this market rebound that we've had over the last, you know, couple of weeks or so uh, has been broader in scope and, uh, and, and, and more sustainable so far than any other market rally we've had this year. So the question is, is the all clear in play? Hmm. People are starting to ask, when is the all clear statement going to come? You know what? You're not going to get an all clear statement. There's never an all clear statement. But what you can start to look at is this. Is, and I've been talking about this for a long time. I've been making it very, very easy, okay, and basically saying, look, at some point the Fed's going to pause its rate rising cycle and just sort of hang out there. And once we see that, the market should look to celebrate that. Well, we're starting to see the first signs of this really taking, uh, taking hold, and that is the bond market. We're starting to see the bond yields not continuing to climb. They're fluctuating up and down in a little bit of a range there, but we're starting to see them not continue to climb drast dramatically anymore. That's a signal right there that the Fed could be close to slowing down its rate hikes. And once we see this happen, then, again, the market should start to, to, to celebrate that. And this is why it's important to stay invested, because you never know when all of a sudden the market sentiment changes and you're sitting in cash. You know, if you stop and think about this, the people that, that, that in order for the markets to hit a bottom, you have to have more sellers than buyers, right? So over the last, you know, I forget when it was, Several weeks ago, we hit we hit a, a good bottom. Hopefully, that was the bottom. Nobody knows for sure, but hopefully, that was the bottom. What about those people that are sitting in cash now? They've missed a several percent rebound on their dollars. They're not going to make that up. So the point is to stay invested, stay strong, keep your portfolios intact, right? Now, on top of this right here, how do we weather market downturns? You know, we've, we've got a handful of questions that we really have to, to, to examine during market downturns. You know, first of all, has, has your long-term change, has your long-term investment goals changed? Have your needs changed for your, for your, for your uh, investment strategies? Ha have all of a sudden your time frames changed, right? What are the need for your liquidities? A lot of times during market, you know, exuberant days, right, when the market's just flying high and when the market's low in a pullback time like this, you have to ask yourself these questions. These are important questions because people can make mistakes in down markets and in up markets because they say, oh, now I need to change my risk profile or, oh, now my long-term objectives have changed and I want to do this, that, and the other now. A lot of times that's not the case. Those are emotional uh, uh, you know, decisions based off of short-term happenings in the marketplace. Has your risk tolerance changed? I see this happening both times. I see people's risk tolerance changing when the markets are lower, and I've seen risk tolerance change when the markets are really, really high. 
And it's funny, too, when the markets are really, really high, I see more risk tolerance changes because people say, oh, you know what, FOMO, fear of missing out, greed, greed takes place. Hey, why don't we crank up the risk a little bit? You know, I'm okay with it and blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden when the markets come back down, you're not so okay with it anymore. That's why it's important to make sure that you're, 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 you're looking at your risk profile and you're working from your financial plan to make sure that everything is, well, sort of pulling in the same direction with everything. You know, does your current investment strategy match your risk attitude? There's a lot about risk, if you stop and think about it, in, in down markets and in up markets, okay? Our, another question here in, in weathering downturns is, am I following an investment strategy that is suited for today's current investment environment? You know, if you stop and think about this for a second, let's take somebody who's, say, I don't know, pick an age, 43 years old, and they're investing right now. I actually had this, com this, this phone call a, a week or two ago on the radio show. Somebody was in their mid-40s, and they were saying, hey, with the markets down, should I pause on putting money into my 401k plan? The answer is absolutely not. You should be putting more money in when the markets are down like this because it enables you to get more and more shares with each contribution into the account. But the next question becomes this is, well, what happens if you're 68 years old and you're already retired and the market's pulled back? So at that particular point in time, you should probably consider looking inside your portfolio to make sure that things are conducive for the current market environment based off of your needs now. What I mean by that is let's suppose there's, there's 10 positions in your account just to do math easy, and then all of a sudden you take a look at the markets pulled back, but maybe three or four of those positions are only down a few percentage points. Everything else is down a little bit more. But if you needed to start pulling money or if you were taking money, those would be the positions you'd be taking money out of. So you always want to make sure that your portfolio is designed for current market environment, for your long-term goals, okay, because you still need money when you're 78, 88, and 95 years old. You still need that growth component inside your portfolio to continue to outpace taxes and inflation and fees, right? And please try to remember not to dramatically change your risk tolerance levels during market downturns and market heights, okay, because you can get hurt both ways. And, and so it's important to stay invested, push through these time frames because they don't last forever. Yes, nobody likes to be down, but my point is this, is we are closer to the Fed pausing its rate rising cycle than we are even the middle of the cycle okay we're starting to see more little components starting to come down in the inflation formula so this is kind of this is kind of like uh, when you're you have your wealth planner your financial manager he's kind of a hand holder during times like this right up and Without down a to, doubt. to yep. kind of you know kind of push you through it so that your fears and stuff can be put on the sideline and really you know reality can set in is what's really going on that's correct, Chris. That, that's exactly right. And, and it's amazing, too, when, when we've, we've had uh, so many clients from all across the country this year, in 2022, adding more and more money into their accounts because they recognize, they go, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm 45, I'm 55, I'm 65, I'm 25, whatever it is. I know I need money five years from now down the road, right? And so they're, tr they're adding more dollars in 
and because the markets are lower, the wise investor does that. That's exactly what the wise investor does, Chris. That that is exactly correct. So, mm-hmm. hey, today's a uh, Saturday morning, which you know what that means, Chris. It uh-huh. means it's open mic Saturday, right? So That's give right. us a ring with any of your financial planning or investment questions. Give us a call at eight five five Rose one two three. That's eight five five seven six seven three one two three. We're going to be back in a moment with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show, making money sense. Frosty the snowman was a jolly happy soul With a corncob pipe and a button nose And two eyes made out of coal You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. When they placed it on his head, he began to dance around. Oh, Frosty the Snowman was alive as he could be. There are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Frosty the Snowman was a You know, there's a there's a reason that Frosty the Snowman gets played every year, every year at this time, and it's the first Christmas song that we play. You know that, right, Larry? You know there's there's a reason for that, right? I recognize that. What is the reason? It's your favorite Christmas song. Come on, it is. <laughs> It is. It is. So Love Frosty. But, I mean, are you going to sing along this year or no? That old no, if I started singing, people would not like that. <laughs> well, anyway, it is Christmas season, so we got to bring some Christmas music on, I suppose. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. So. Good deal. Good deal. Well, welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Again, it's open mic Saturday, which means no questions barred at all. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. I would imagine a lot of people are out the short stores this weekend, Chris. Oh, my. Yeah. Getting some uh, bargains on, on all kinds of things. Did, so. uh, did the missus have you out there early on Friday morning for Black Friday looking for, for deals? No, I wasn't out there. Nope, <laughs> nope, nope. Nah. Was she? That's the question. Nope. Nope, nope, So well, no, we, we all chilling. talked about it at Thanksgiving. Uh, one of my brothers was considering it, but he didn't go. <laughs> okay. So, But anyway, there you go. Yeah. There you go, right? Hey, so, you know, it, it, Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10, he wrote, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. 
So what what happens here? You know, toward toward uh, uh, what, what what happens here at the beneficiary table? I want to talk about. We started talking about this last week, and ran out of time. So I wanted to finish this subject up a little bit uh, this week on on how to start the conversation with you and your spouse about inheritance planning, about how to plan for who's going to get what and where and when and how and all that kind of stuff, right? And so the, the, basically we're, we're, what we're going to try to, to envision here today is how to build the basic cornerstone, the fundamental planning of estate planning. How do we go about figuring this out, right? And, you know, it, 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 it used to be, and, and it still is in many cases, you know, you go into the attorney's office and, you, and you're sitting there and, and, and you're spending hours and hours trying to figure all this stuff out. Let me give you a, a quick down and dirty, if you will, on, on, on how to go about saving some time to get this thing done properly. And then you go meet with the attorney, okay? And, and one of the things is it starts with your beneficiary forms. Um, you know, your beneficiary forms on life insurance, on IRAs, on, on any type of asset, if there's a beneficiary form attached to it, that's what's going to override pretty much everything else. So when you have a beneficiary form, you've got to break it down because there's two types of beneficiaries on a beneficiary form. There is a, 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 a beneficiary designation, I should call it, two types of designations. One is called a per capita designation, and the other one is a per sterpes designation. And it's pretty simple, but it's, but it's important to understand this. And again, we started talking about this last week, but we, we, we ran out of time just at the beginning of this segment. So I wanted to bring it back today because it, it is a very important. I hope it's you the know. only Latin we have to learn this year. You hope it's the only what? Latin. Isn't it per sterpes and per capita? Is that, is that, uh, is that a Latin phrase of some sort? I believe it is, yep. Yeah, yeah. I believe it is, yep. And, and so, so when, you, when you take a look at it, you know, let's, put, let's pretend you have two children and you want to leave 50% to each. <clears throat> and let's say both children are married and they have, and they have kids. So, so now you have grandchildren, right? And suppose something you know, happens and you leave, very simple, you leave 50% uh, to child A, 50% to child B, but, that, but now you have to take a look at the form on how the designations are. Are they per capita or per sterpes? A per capita designation would work like this. If, if, if God forbid, something happened to both of you, and, and, but beforehand something happened to one of your children and you didn't make the beneficiary change form and you pass – and it says per capita, that means that actually 100% is actually going to go to the surviving spouse. I'm sorry, the surviving sibling. Sibling. In other words, if the, if the form was designated per sterpes, then the 50% that would have gone to the deceased child's lineage, their bloodline, would have traveled down theirs, whereas the other 50% goes to the remaining sibling and their bloodline. So if you wanted to make sure that things are even all the way down bloodline families, then you would designate it per sterpes rather than per capita. Sounds kind of crazy. Why would they have this on the form? Why wouldn't you just name all these people? Well, the answer is 
Nobody knows, but this is how it works. Well, okay? and you don't know who they are down the road, right? I mean, you could have thousands of children and well, subchildren. That, that is that is true. You don't even have yeah, their names yeah, yet. Even, so. Exactly. Hey, let's take a quick break here. Let's welcome Marie on the line from Virginia. Good morning, Marie. How are you? I'm good. Can you hear me okay? I can. How can I help you? Well, my husband and I are both 69. We're going to be 70 next year, retired, and we're going to be um, going soon to settlement to purchase a um, uh, we're having a construction built home custom built home and we're putting like 250,000 down and it's going to the estimates about 900,000 and in the economy that we're in these days I've been having a little trepidation and I appreciate your wisdom your biblical insight and just curious to know um, what your thoughts are on real estate purchasing um, and uh, investing at this time of our economy and our our United States of America system going on and all the things you hear. I don't want to be a fear crazy person, but um, it seems like we are moving in the right direction. But I want your opinion. Sure, Marie. Uh, lots to unpack in that question. Well, first, let's let's talk about the real estate. Okay, <clears throat> the is this going to be an investment property or is it going to be your your primary home? No, primary. Okay, so from that standpoint, it makes the conversation have, as you word, intrepidations a lot less of them. Okay, and here's what I mean: if you're going to buy real estate as an investment property, you need to treat it like an investment property, like a business entity. If you're going to buy it where it's shelter for you and your family and your kids and your grandkids and all that stuff, now it's more of a home. So think about this. Yes, you know that real estate has pushed up recently, right? And it's high, okay? But you're also selling high. So on one hand, you're selling your home at a higher value and you're buying another home at a higher value, okay? Interest rates are higher right now than they were just this time last year, correct? So it may make your mortgage payment a little bit tougher, a little bit higher, but at the same time, rates will come back down. They will. Once the Fed stops raising rates, the interest rates should probably start to drop back down a little bit, and then who knows, maybe nine months from now, they start to lower interest rates. So so from the, from the standpoint of, of, of that, you're sort of dating your interest rate, but you're married to your home because you will have an opportunity at some point down the road, Marie, to refinance your property, okay, to get a lower interest rate. Now, from the stand, uh, uh, again, if you're buying the home because it's your home, not an investment property, then if interest, if if real estate values drop 10% in the next three years, or go up 10% in the next three years, does it really matter to you? And, and the answer is not really. On paper, it shows a greater balance sheet or a lower balance sheet, but not until you're going to sell that property does it really matter as to what the true value of it is. So from one standpoint, again, to summarize on this transaction, you're selling your primary home now. You're selling home A high, and you're buying home B high. But you're just moving on to the next chapter in your life where you and your husband want to be. And again, if you wait for your for for the property B for the new home to go down in value, to to get a quote unquote better buy, remember your existing homes also going to go down in value. Okay, 
So they're kind of going up and down to, together from that standpoint. Does that make sense? Yes, and <clears throat> it's already locked in at a 5.67, whatever. It's a seven-year arm. Beautiful. And the plan is once the house is built and to move in, we sell the house we're in and take that chunk and so we won't have much of a mortgage at all. So um, so I guess that, I mean, that's been our consolation that we are not going to be, and after seven years, we, we won't, uh, we'll have it paid off before the seven years is over. Yeah, then I wouldn't worry about it. For, for uh, Then you have no interest rate risk inside this transaction. The only risk that you really could have possibly is you've locked in the price of the new home but the amount of equity you're pulling out of your old home is still going to be dependent on that market value down the road once the new home is built. So, so that could be part of a risk with it right there. Okay. 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 But it, you know, from fr from the standpoint of what you're trying to do, you're moving into the next chapter of your life. And if you pulled out twenty five thousand dollars less from equity from your existing home, would that make you stop this transaction? Probably, pro yeah, exactly. Probably not because this is where you want to be. This is part of your goals, okay? So, okay. so I, I, I don't have any, uh, as you use the word, trepidation over this transaction with you whatsoever on, on what you're trying to do, okay? okay? You need to treat the home as a home and don't worry in the future what the values do to it, okay? Because it's really worth whatever dollar somebody's willing to give you when you want to sell it. Yes, it goes up and down over time. There's no doubt about it, all right? But if you're moving into this for a long period of time and this is your retirement home, the forever home, I wouldn't worry too much about it, okay? Okay. Thank, thank you very much. Absolutely. Appreciate the phone call. Have a great weekend. Right, you, you're, you're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. You know, Chris, I used to teach a – a, a uh, class, a financial planning class. I should I should have mentioned this to Marie. Maybe she's still on the on the line listening. But I used to teach a class. It was about two and a half, three hours in length, and it was it was it was the nine different ways to manage equity inside of your home. I hear you say that quite a bit, even so. On top yeah, of and yeah. so a lot of times people will come in and they'll say, you know, hey Larry, here's our balance sheet. You know, they'll be working with me or one of our advisors, other the advisors in the firm, and they'll say, you know, look, here's our balance sheet, our income statement all this kind of stuff, and they'll say, see, look, right here, you know, I've got $800,000 of equity in my home. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's very good. That's a strong position. That's wonderful. How do you want me to treat it? And they say, well, what do you mean, how do you want me to treat it? Mm. And I go, well, what, in your financial plan, what do you want me to do with it? Do you want me to include this as part of your wealth? Because I will. I'm happy to do that. I'll keep it on the balance sheet. But I will not turn that $800,000 of equity inside of your home into an income stream until you tell me that you're actually doing that. Because in order to turn equity in your home into physical cash in your pocket, you need to do one of three things. You either need to rent out the basement, turn it into an income, right? You need to borrow the money out of your house and take it and do whatever you're going to do with it, right, to get the cash out. Or you need to sell it. So equity in your home isn't providing you an income at all. 
So it can't be included in your income versus expensive conversation during your retirement years. Mm. Unless you say, hey, two years from now, like like take Marie, I don't know her, her whole situation, but, but take this as an example. Let's suppose that she's going to sell her, her primary home now, buy the forever retirement home, and in that process cash out $250,000 extra. Maybe the, the, the first home is worth a lot more than the second home. Now she can cash that money out. Now you can take that $250,000, put it in your financial plan, and turn it into an income stream. But the money that's sitting inside wood, bricks, mortar, and steel doesn't provide you an income. The only way it can provide you an income is if you effectively separate it from your property. That's it. Okay, so a lot of times people will have this, you know, paper wealth and they'll go, oh, yeah, my property value went way, way up. And then the following year they complain because my tax rates went up. Right. Okay. And now I'm paying tax on money that I don't have in my pocket. It's sitting inside my equity inside of my home. And so, you know, it's just a conversation that keeps going round and round and round with it all. Is it, is it ever good. wise to pull money out and invest it elsewhere from an equity standpoint? Is it ever wise to do that? You know, it's it's uh, uh, with the licenses that I hold, I can't entice anybody to incur debt in oh, order to yeah, make an investment. Okay, yeah, I understand. Uh, but I will tell you the math behind the scenario, and and that other than margin interest, and 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 I will tell you the math behind the scenario, Chris. Mortgages are simple interest on declining balances. Mm-hmm. So think about that for a second. A mortgage payment is a simple interest payment on a declining balance. Whereas an investment is compound interest on appreciating sums. So do the math on that in your head real quick, and you can quickly see, huh, maybe that's not such a bad thing to have compound interest working against my simple interest on a mortgage. But at the same time, there's a strategy called equity endowment plans. An equity endowment plan works like this. You know, you you would you would make your minimum payments on your mortgage payment, right? And instead of making an extra payment each year to your mortgage to pay it down early, you would take that extra payment and put it into a bank account or a treasury bond mm-hmm. or a mutual mm-hmm. fund or something like that. I see. Okay. Yeah. And so that would be growing outside of your home, and at some point down the road, you might be able to cash that out a lot. And, help pay down the house sooner than if you just added one extra payment into your mortgage payment each year. So there's a lot of there's there's nine different ways yeah, actually gotcha. to to manage equity inside of your home. Uh, hey, let's go ahead and and here we go. Let's welcome uh, Nita on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Nita. How are you today? I'm fine, Larry. How are you? I'm well. Happy Thanksgiving weekend. How can I help you? Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving weekend to you as well. Um, I'm calling about the required minimum distribution. I just turned 72 this year, this month actually, and I have a 457 um, that I'm not making contributions to right now. Um, no, I have to take monies out of. I mean, take the, start the the distribution now. Correct. Yes, in the year you turn 72, you have to start taking your RMDs. That's correct. Well, the first year you can skip, and and so you have to take it by April 1st of the following year, but then you have to take two next year, Nita. Okay, that's fine. Now, the main question is that I am still working, and I have another 
uh, I think it's a 401 um, ca- account with the, my current employer. Mm-hmm. Do I need to start making the dist- get distributions from that too? So no. If you're still working in the same plan that you're putting money in, you don't have to take mm-hmm. distributions from that one. But any other dollars you have to take distributions from. Finally, stop working. I will have to start taking the distributions on the the current plan. Correct. Correct. That is correct. Okay. Yep. Um, that those your those answer my questions. Uh, and I thank you so much. And um, absolutely, the- Anita. Let me send you out some information on all that too, because you need to work with a tax preparer on this. Make sure you don't mess it up, or or a financial advisor. Okay. And I'm just able to give you a couple quick questions here, but I want to send you out some information on it all, so you have it at your fingertips. Okay. Okay, that's fine. Yes, thank you. I'll go ahead and put you on hold, and Bob will get your contact information. We'll send you out information on RMDs, the ins and outs, and all that kind of stuff. All righty? Sounds good. Thank you. Appreciate the phone call. Yep, you're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. We're talking about everything today, real estate, interest rates, taxes, required minimum distributions, all kinds of stuff. Give us a call this morning on this Thanksgiving weekend. 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Larry Rosenthal Show. We'll be back in a minute. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. Since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It doesn't show signs of stopping. And I brought some corn for popping. The lights are turned down low. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. We're still goodbye. As long as you love me so, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Get started with your financial plan today at LarryRosenthal.com or call right now for the Financial Planning Toolkit, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. We've all heard the more risk you get, the more opportunity there is for growth in returns in your investments. However, can you have too much risk in your investments so that you get diminishing returns? You can only water ski behind one boat at a time. Make sure your risk-adjusted return is aligned with your investment objectives. seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and the Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. 
You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show. You know, I, I, I love all the gift giving and all of the excitement of Christmas time, but we always do need to kind of bring it back home and realize what is the reason for the season, don't we, Larry? It's Jesus, no doubt about it. It is, and his birth. Absolutely. Is. Speaking of gift giving, too, you know, uh, you're still eligible to do a QCD up to $100,000, you know, qualified charitable donation. There you go. And and uh, a lot of people will overlook, they'll say, like, they're RMD, oh, RMD, QCDs, well, all kinds of acronyms, <laughs> right? So, so, But a lot of people will say, well, hey, I've got to take my required minimum distribution, hence RMD, Maybe your RMD is $40,000 for the year, and you're going, well, okay, I guess that's all I can give as a QCD, Qualified Charitable Donation. That's not true. Your RMD can be used of the $40,000 plus another $60,000. You can can continue to pull that out. And Qualified Charitable Donation, your QCD, you do not have to be 72 or older. You can do that at 70 and a half. Okay, there's no RMDs at 70 and a half anymore, but QCD can happen at 70 and a half years of age. Uh, a lot of people are, are not aware of that, and it's a great way to give to charities, to your church. You know, a lot of people, the, you'll, you'll tithe, right? You'll give 10% additional gifts and offering, and you'll take that out of your checking account, your cash flow. Well, why not give the charity, your church, the tax-exempt organization, the tax-infested money, and you keep the tax-free money? It makes sense to me, doesn't it? (laughs) Hello. Hello. Because when you donate the IRA at 70 and a half or older or a part of that IRA, you know, through a QCD, Qualified Charitable Donation, that money's never been taxed. So think about it. You received a tax deduction to put those dollars in, and now you're gifting that money to the the church or the tax-exempt organization, the charity of your choice. They pull the money out. They're tax-free. So you got a tax deduction. They're not paying taxes on it at all, okay? And guess what? This is part of the tax code. You are allowed to do this. People do it all the time, all year long. Hmm. So when you're sitting there looking at this, and a lot of people will make the mistake on this, they, they will pull out their required minimum distribution, put it in their pocket, and then turn around and say, okay, now I want to do a QCD. And and doesn't that write off on this? No, it doesn't, okay? So you've got to really understand how it all works out together. You know, it's a two-, three-minute conversation with a couple little diagrams, and then you'll be able to see it. But uh, a lot of people will make these mistakes sometimes in, in, in doing these donations. And they're, they're giving it out of the goodness of their heart, but they make the mistakes uh, on, on the tax return, not actually doing it sequentially properly. Uh, and it is important to do that. Hey, we're talking about some of the basics in estate planning this morning. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You know, who gets what, when, how, why? This is an intimidating part of the estate planning process, and oftentimes people will sit down with their estate planning attorney and they'll have this conversation, and they'll say, well, what do you think we should do? Where do you think we should give the money? No, no, this is how you should really take a look at considering doing it anyway, which is sit down and just on, in one column on a piece of paper sort of list out your assets, right? You know, list out your, your home, your cars, your jewelry, your investments, and, and all these types of things. So list it all out, and then over in the next column over, just start listing down names. Who do you think you want to – people to get things and then start writing little sentences next to them and drawing lines, you know, 
and 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 just writing it all out that way it's very simple you should see it's people will come in with all these things listed out with lines drawn here <laughs> sounds like an org chart notes there exactly kind of like an org chart it's exactly correct that's the basics for the for the estate planning document that's what you take into your attorney and say look we thought about this this is what we want how does this look to you versus having them him or her sitting there trying to figure it all out for you because you don't want to spend that time doing that you want to spend the time doing it and it doesn't happen over a weekend you know there's some thought behind it there's some changes that happen uh with, with it all so 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 those are sort of the, some of the basics involved with all of that you know when 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 you really start boiling it down and breaking it down i've got a kit here we've sent out a lot of these it's called the basics in estate planning kit if you want to get a copy of it go go to our website LarryRosenthal.com. shoot us off an email we'll be happy to send you out a copy of it uh, or just give us a call this morning at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. But those are some of the things that we started talking about last week. I wanted to finish it up this week a little bit. You know, the basics in estate planning on, on who gets what and when. And don't be intimidated about it, but just simply start drafting it out in your on your own paper, in your own handwriting. And, and you'll, you'll, you'll get a lot more mileage out of it that way. So it's it's a very important to to, to, to really do, mm-hmm. um, you know. And, and then take you know, well, what about my retirement checklist? We are also starting. We also jumped in last week. You know, I said, "Hey, Chris, <laughs> we're running out of time. I got this subject and that subject." And and uh, another one was the retirement planning checklist. You know, when do I want to retire? When is the big question? And sixty-four percent of people retire earlier than they had thought that they were going to do it for one reason or another. Okay, 64% of the people. That's kind of an interesting number. That's more than half the people retire earlier than they had hoped for or planned for because of layoffs, because of, of uh, family health, uh, personal health, um, you know, just whatever the deal is. You know, so, so that's kind of an interesting thing. Where will my retirement income come from? This is a very popular question. It's not necessarily where, but how. How does the money come out of all the investments, and where does it go? You know, how do I turn? My, I was speaking with a client the other day who has a, a a very big growth portfolio, just lots of growth in there, very little income capabilities in their portfolio, and they were we were talking about, you know, at some point down the road we have to start exiting a lot of this quote unquote growth investments and move them over to income or growth and income type investments. You know, and 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 uh, because what's good for one investment objective may not be good for the next investment objective. So where will your retirement income come from? You know, uh, recently I was speaking with a, a client. Also, they they were talking about. They said, "Hey, you know, do you think we need an annuity? We'd oh, like to wow. talk to you about annuities." And I said, "Okay, well let's let's sit down and, and we'll talk about that because everybody knows that the primary investment objective of an annuity is income, right?" So we went through and we're talking about it, and I said, you know, look, you have a pension plan. Your wife has a pension plan. You have Social Security, and your wife is going to have Social Security, okay? You have four streams of guaranteed income that come in and make up about 80% of your monthly income needs. And then you have these other investments over here that will easily make up the other 20%. So do you need to purchase an annuity? In this case, probably not, right? 
Probably not, because you can easily garner the income off of your investments. There's enough investment dollars there to make up the, the shortfall of your 20%. You know, versus, you know, some, some advisors only put clients into annuities. Some advisors will never touch a, 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 a put money into a client's annuity. And, and other advisors, they'll look at it from a logical perspective. It's kind of where we live. You know, and say some people need part of their money in annuities, and some people don't need any money into an annuity. You know, and you really need to know and understand those, though, mm-hmm. right? Those things can be a little bit intimidating, and they can do a lot of different things. I mean, it's that's exactly right. They're intimidating because there's so many different um, tweaks and shifts and changes and little subtle differences, I should say, between a lot of the different annuities out there. And they do do a lot of things, Chris. Absolutely, they do. Sometimes annuities, you know, they'll have an accelerated or, 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 or a, a jumbo death benefit attached to them. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes there, there's, there's – there, I know of an annuity that, that you put money in, and if you withdraw a certain percentage out and don't exceed that percentage each year, and, and you pass away and there's still $1 left in the account, I know that that, that annuity will pay back all the principal you've ever put in to your beneficiary. Holy moly. So you put the money in, you get to pull the money out over an income stream, right? And then your beneficiary gets replenished 100% of what you've put into it to begin with. What a great way. If you if you stop and take a look at that type of an annuity, look 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 at the leverage on this. I see your your wheels are turning. <laughs> let's go down the road here. Let's 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 pretend and th- this is an example of, you know, not all annuities are correct. I'm I'm sorry, not all annuities are the same. Yeah. Right? You know, kind of like dogs, right? We got all kinds of dogs out there. You got you got labradoodles, you got Golden retreater, retrievers. You got huskies. You got all kinds of dogs. Pyrenees and red healers too. Well. Yes, there you go. You've got all kinds of dogs. <laughs> there are dogs, but there's different species of dogs, just like an annuity. Well, this is an annuity, and that's an annuity, but they do two different things. They have two different personalities. They act differently, you know. And in this example here that we're talking about here, let's suppose you put five hundred thousand dollars into this annuity. And you start pulling out, let's just do some math, let's say 4%, so that's 20 grand a year, right? So you're pulling out 20 grand a year, and let's suppose you do this for 10 years, you've taken out $200,000, right? Now let's not include any, any market growth or, or fees or whatever it is. So you put in 500000 you've taken out 200000 there's now 300000 in the account, and you pass away. Mm-hmm. Your beneficiary gets back $500,000, Okay. So that's, a, that's an example of a death benefit protected type of an annuity. Other annuities don't have that feature. So it depends on what you're looking for in an annuity. Now take that one step further and suppose you put $500,000 into that annuity contract and you pull out 20000 a year and you don't spend it, but you take that 20000 a year and you buy a life insurance policy worth a million dollars. Oh, my goodness. Okay, yeah. so now you can see how you're jacking up the tax-free distribution of your estate plan because you've put the money in, you're pulling the dollars out in order to buy this million-dollar life insurance policy in this example, and when you pass, your beneficiaries now get the million dollars tax-free plus the ex- the other 500000 even though there's only 300000 in the annuity account. So now you're sitting here, you're looking at using this annuity in, in an estate plan, and you're going, 
This is tremendous. You mean I get to pull this money out on an income stream and get it repaid back to me, plus I can take that income stream if I don't need it, and I can buy a life insurance policy with it and make the payments on it and not ever have to worry about it, and that money comes back tax-free too. So think about the, the power in all of this stuff. Sure. You oh, know? Yeah, exactly. Think about it if you took that money that was in this type of an annuity and it was IRA money, money that's never been taxed. So you pull that twenty grand out each year in this example, you pay five thousand in taxes. Now there's fifteen thousand dollars left over. Okay. So instead of a million dollar policy, now maybe you're buying an eight hundred thousand dollar policy for the fifteen grand a year. You pass, your heirs still get back the the, the five hundred thousand from the annuity plus another eight hundred thousand tax free. Now you just created eight hundred thousand to a million dollars of extra tax free money in your estate that's gonna go for a lot of people for a long time to come. So so getting to your the the crux of your point, driving home this point, Chris, is annuities are like dogs. You love them when you when you get the right one, okay? But there's all different stories and personalities and features to all the different ones, and it depends on what it is you need. But they all chew up people, your furniture, you know. That's what they don't chew up your furniture, no, but, <laughs> but not at all, which is a good thing, right? Yeah, it is a good but thing. at the same time, there's, there's a lot of people out there that are selling annuities to sell annuities, and they're driving home them. One, one particular thing. And, and, and there's different types of income benefits with them. There's different types of spousal continuation programs with them. There's different types of, of uh, rates of return on annuities. You know, part of part, part some annuities are based off of a a, a fixed account, which is kind of like uh, a, a good CD rate of return. Other ones are linked to the markets. Uh, other ones are variable annuities, where where they're totally in the markets through sub accounts. So so there's a lot of different way. And by my point is this is. If you're considering an annuity, okay, just like you're considering any other investment, an ETF, a stock, a, a, a mutual fund, an ETN, uh, you know, whatever it may be, uh, uh, you know, type of an investment, a hedged equity fund, whatever it is, option strategies, whatever it may be, consider, get educated on how it works, whether or not that particular product applies to your investment objective. Same with annuities. Annuities, there are so many different types, and there are so many different personalities to them. There's so many different nuances and differences. It really like have changed compared to what they used to be. It used to be that you didn't have all these options, and you bought an annuity, and you never were able to give it to your heirs. You weren't able to do any of these things. There's been a lot of development and a lot of changes just in the last you know, 10, 15 years in annuity contracts. And they're not all bad, but used correctly, used in the right spot, they can do very, very good planning for clients, but not everybody needs an annuity, and not everybody should have the same type of an annuity as an example. I just talked about different types of, mm-hmm. of benefits to, to all of them. You know, I, I actually have a, a, a whole – we've got a whole library of stuff on, on these annuities. If you want to get a copy of them, I don't know how we got down this rabbit hole, Chris, but <laughs> we did. But if you want to get a copy of them, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123 or go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and just shoot us off an email. We'll be happy to send it all out to you. You know, But this goes back to the retirement checklist. Where will my retirement income come from? How much Social Security will I receive? When should I take my Social Security? Should I delay it? Should I take it early? What's the story on all of that? What can you expect to receive from your employer's retirement plan? How does that work? What are my choices when I separate service? What are my five choices that I can do with my plan? I can leave it there. 
I can transfer it to a new employer. I can cash it out, pay taxes on it, and have the money. I can convert it internally to a Roth IRA, or I can roll it over to my own IRA. Those are the five choices that people can do with their retirement dollars at their left at their employer's plan. What's best for you? You need to sit down with your advisor and go through these checklists and find out, hey, what is best? Sometimes it's best to put some here and keep some there and do this and do that. Depends on what your objectives are. This, you know, financial planning, retirement checklist planning, wealth management, it is not a one-size-fits-all. It is not. It is completely not. It's more of a buffet of, of aligning the products with your tax scenario, with the, the, your goals and objectives, risk-reward relationships, all that type of stuff. Um, you know, what, what portion of your income in your retirement years is going to come to you taxable versus tax-free? You know, hey, I, I, I can't imagine anybody who's retired saying, boy, I wish all my money was tax-free, <laughs> right? Okay, but unfortunately it's not, right? The mm-hmm. Roth IRAs came into existence back in the, in the mid-'90s. So there hasn't been a lot of time to fund into them, and people have been, you know, uh, you can make conversions, but you know, there's not, there's less money in IRA, in Roth IRAs than there are in traditional pre-tax IRAs. So the question becomes, of my income in retirement, what does my net after-tax scenario actually look like? How much tax am I going to have to be paying? Is it a good time to convert before I retire? Is it a good time to convert after I retire? Is it a better time to convert to Roth IRAs now that the markets are lower? How do I set myself up for the most tax-efficient stream of income being delivered from reliable sources in my retirement years? And how do I pass my assets on to my heirs after tax, uh, after I'm done with it, up in heaven, and I don't need the money anymore, right? How do we go about doing that? What is the best way to look at it? These are questions that we talk to our clients about, the retirement planning checklist. You know, and these are questions that help really drive deep down into the, the planning process. It's not just, well, my mutual fund's better than your mutual fund or my <laughs> stock selection's better than yours. Guess what? They're all good, okay? Yeah. They're all good. They're all fine. It's not hard to find the best fund out there for that asset class. There's all kinds of rating agencies, and you can do your own research and all that kind of stuff. What matters is the strategy, is is the buy-sell, the timing, the the, the, the buy-sell decision process on this asset class versus that asset class. Should I have that stock or this ETF? How does the taxes play out on all that stuff? Those are the big questions. Those are the big $64 million questions, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Another one on the retirement planning checklist is, is when do I want to retire? Do I want to retire early, take a part-time job selling screwdrivers at, at the hardware store? You know, to keep to keep cash flow coming in. Do I want to go work in ministry? Do I want to get out of the rat race and become a consultant in the same industry I just left? Okay, but now I can control my time, my wages, my projects that I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, what 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 is the plan? How do you want to do it? You know, the the face of retirement years has changed. It used to be, and I can say this probably now. It used to be your parents would retire and do nothing. And they had a life expectancy of about seven years in retirement. Now life expectancy is 20, 30 years in retirement. What are you going to do? What is it that you want to do, right? What are those things that you want to do in your retirement years? So, so, so stop and think about what your runway looks like, you know. 
Do I want to work part-time in my retirement years? How do I build these different scenarios into my financial plan? What's the story with all of that? So lots of, the, lots of subject matter goes into the discussion on just a simple retirement planning checklist. You know, you can talk about all kinds of things with it all. And, and uh, it's important to really, to, to, to really do that. So, hey, I want to, again, wish everybody a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. Enjoy all the uh, sports activities this weekend. If you're not out playing football in the mud in your backyard somewhere, uh, maybe you can watch some of it on TV. We should yeah, have a mud bowl. That's a good idea. A mud bowl. There you go. We can have it at Bob's house. Right? All right. There you go. Bob's house, that's for sure. <laughs> Well, hey, again, everybody have a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. Until then, Bob, thanks a lot for all your phone call answering this weekend. And Chris McKay for engineering the whole nine yards. I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Saturday with another Making Money Sense show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.